brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute, sponsored by the Building and Realty Institute of Westchester in the Mid-Hudson region. Founded in 1946, the BRI is an independent trade association that serves all areas of the building, realty, and construction industries. Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute is an interactive forum that covers the latest news and trends affecting the building, realty, and construction sectors. And now, here's your host, the Associate Executive Director of BRI, Jeff Hanley. Hey, good Sunday evening to all. Welcome to Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute. We thank you for joining us this evening here on 710 WOR, the voice of New York. I am Jeff Hanley, the Associate Executive Director of the Building and Realty Institute and your program host. We are coming to you live. The Building and Realty Institute, also known as the Builders Institute, is a building, realty, and construction industry membership organization. Our association has more than 1,800 members in 14 counties of New York State. We are one of the largest business membership organizations in the state of New York. The Building and Realty Institute consistently addresses issues facing the building, realty, and construction sectors, as well as the general business community, and that is the focus of our program here on 710WOR. As I mentioned, we are live, so please feel free to call us at 1-800-321-0710 with any comments or questions that you may have on the content of tonight's program. That number, again, is 1-800-321-0710. We would be happy to hear from you. And again, thank you for joining us on this Sunday evening. Our program tonight will examine the newly signed wage theft legislation here in New York State, legislation that makes construction contractors liable for wages owed to employees of their subcontractors. The legislation was signed by New York Governor Kathy Hochul on Labor Day. With us this evening to review this legislation is Tom Tripadianos, an attorney and a partner with the well-known law firm of Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt, LLP. Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt is based in White Plains, in Westchester County, here in New York State. Tom has been a guest on our program in the past, and we are happy to have him with us this evening. Tom, welcome back to Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute here on 710 WOR. We thank you for joining us. How are you on this Sunday evening? I'm very well, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to be with us, Tom. We very much appreciate it. 
Tom, please provide us with an overview of Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt and the services that your firm offers. Certainly. Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt is based in Westchester County, as you said. We also have offices in Connecticut, Manhattan, New Jersey, and our newest offices in Albany. Our practice is focused in the area of construction litigation, as well as real estate development and labor and employment law for the construction client. I'm currently the managing partner of the firm. Thank you, Tom. And again, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us tonight. We have a lot of material to cover on this complex legislation, so we will get right to it. First off, Tom, please explain the details of this newly signed legislation. The new legislation will hold contractors jointly and severally liable for wage theft claims by subcontractors on construction projects. There is no criminal liability contemplated by the statute. For our listeners, what joint and several means is that the unpaid worker can choose to sue either the contractor or their employer, the subcontractor, or both. Okay. Tom, when does the legislation go into effect? Legislation applies to nearly all construction contracts entered into, renewed, modified, or amended on or after January 4th, 2022. This would include a contract that was contemplated, bid, or awarded sometime in 2021, but wasn't signed until at some point after the 4th of January, or if there were even change orders issued against that contract that was signed in 221, and the change orders didn't take effect, it didn't come about until the year after. Thanks for clarifying that, Tom. That's important. Does the new mandate, Tom, affect both union and non-union construction jobs? And does it affect all construction jobs, regardless of size? Yeah, yes, it does. Uh, those working in public works were, were already familiar and expectant of this type of liability, meaning the, the pass-through of the claim of unpaid wages from the subcontractor's employees to the contractor. Uh, this was something that was called a, a prevailing wage job, uh, and uh, the contractor was ultimately responsible to make sure that all workers were paid their prevailing wage. So although the rights provided by the new statute may not be waived through any contractual provisions, they may be waived by collective bargaining agreement, which is the agreement that the would enter into with the union with a bonafide building and construction trade organization as long as the waiver explicitly references the statutes. There are also exceptions to this law, which include certain residential projects, such as home improvement contracts for owner-occupied dwellings and the home construction contracts for one- to two-family dwellings, except, and this is the exception to the exception, except where the contract results in the construction of more than such dwellings, more than 10 such dwellings at one project site annually. Tom, the Associated General Contractors of New York State, which represents construction employers, stretched its opposition to the legislation in a recent report in the Rockland County Business Journal. 
The report said that the Associated General Contractors of New York supports wage theft prevention, but with but views the recently signed legislation that we are reviewing unfavorably because it extends liability for up to three years after a project has been completed. The Rockland County Business Journal report also cites that the new law creates an unimaginable and unmanageable level of risk for general contractors, according to Mike Elmendorf, who is the chief executive officer of the Associated General Contractors of New York State. Do you agree with those thoughts, Tom? I do. The complexities of the law have often ensnared employers, but penalties will now be amplified as contractors begin to seek indemnification for any fees, costs, and damages they may incur as a result of a new legislation. These are contractors that are not used to having to police their subcontractors to make sure that they are properly paying their employees. So the added complexities of the statute and the added administrative burden that is placed upon them is, I would agree, unmanageable. Tom, the Rockland County Business Journal report quotes Mike Elmendorf as saying that the newly signed legislation will raise the cost of construction in New York State. Do you agree with that assessment? Jeff, let me preface my response by saying that that efforts to ensure that those performing construction work are compensated fairly is a laudable effort. No one here would suggest that someone who works in a construction site shouldn't be paid their fair wage in a timely manner. However, to the extent that this legislation requires contractors to police subcontractors or be held liable as if they were the ones who failed to pay the workers seems a little heavy-handed, and the exposure is significant, as it includes not only the unpaid wages themselves, but also an amount equal to 100% of the unpaid wages as liquidated damages, which means you would have to pay that amount essentially twice. And in some cases, it jumps up to 300%, which is what is referred to as treble damages, if the violation was willful. In addition to that, there is an interest component and up to a $10,000 penalty for failure to provide required statutory notices to the workers. And when I say failure to provide, again, that is a failure by a subcontractor to provide the notice that is required at the commencement of the employment, as well as along with every payroll stop that that subcontractor issues. On top of all this, if there is an enforcement action, contractor can be liable for attorney's fees and costs, not only to defend such an action, but also the attorney fees that were expended by the plaintiff, usually the worker in this case. I would agree that in order to meet the challenges imposed by the statute, to prevent violations, and to protect against this enormous potential liability to the extent violations do occur, contractors will necessarily need to charge the ultimate consumer more. You're listening to Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute, 
We thank you for joining us this evening here on 710 WOR. I am Jeff Hanley, the Associate Executive Director of the Building and Realty Institute and your program host. We are coming to you live. If you have any questions or comments about the content of tonight's show, please feel free to call us at 1-800-321-0710. That number again is 1-800-321-0710. If you would like further information on the Building and Realty Institute, please visit our website at buildersinstitute.org. That address, again, is buildersinstitute.org. Or you can phone our offices at 914-273-0730. That number, once more, is 914-273-0730. Our program tonight is examining the newly signed wage theft legislation, how it makes constructed construction contractors liable for wages owed to employees of their subcontractors, a very important topic for the building and construction industries. Our guest is Tom Trip Adianos, an attorney and a partner at Welby, Brady, and Greenbat, LLP of White Plains. Again, if you have any questions on this complex topic, we are at 1 800 321 0710. That number 1 800-321-0710. Tom, the newly signed legislation we are reviewing tonight includes a provision to the state's general business law to permit contractors to withhold payments to a subcontractor. Please explain. Uh, certainly. Uh, the uh, use of the request for information to properly audit payment practices on a project is, cru is crucial. The most effective approach for contractors to mitigate liability and risk is likely going to be a combination of auditing and indemnification measures. Depending on the contractor's volume, the new audit practice may even warrant hiring an additional payroll administrators. Contractors may also wish to consider other risk allocation mechanisms, such as requiring payment bonds for subcontractors. The law means a contractor is liable for up to three years after a project has been completed, even if the wage theft was by a subcontractor tears down and not detected by the contractor. It creates an unmanageable level of risk for contractors. The legislation could complicate the contractor's ability to insure products and slow payments to subcontractors while raising the cost of the construction. When I refer to the audit procedures, the statute provides that upon request, a subcontractor must provide a copy of their certified payrolls. A contractor can also request a list of the subcontractor's workers, their anticipated contract start date, the scheduled duration of and the sub's local union contact information if they are a union contractor. A subcontractor's Failure to comply with such requests in a timely fashion constitutes a proper basis to withhold payments. Tom, due to a series of negative factors involving the building and construction industries here in New York State, many construction contractors are simply not becoming involved 
in New York State projects. Accordingly, do you see the newly signed legislation that we are examining this evening as yet another negative for New York State's building and construction industries? Unfortunately, I do. Like I said before, construction workers being paid their fair wage is something that every legitimate and honest contractor can stand behind. However, the legislation goes a little bit too far, in my opinion. Some contractors simply lack the clerical and administrative horsepower to meet the demands of the legislation. Likewise, many subcontractors lack the financial resources to be able to obtain a payment bond or simply are not willing to take on the personal liability associated with bonding. What a payment bond does, for those of you who don't know, is basically says that if the contractor, in this case, the contractor's liability for the sub's failure to pay the wages, if the worker is not paid, then that worker may sue the surety who stands in their place. The surety is uh, audited and licensed by the state and has sufficient assets in order to make those payments. However, backing up the surety is what's called an agreement of indemnity, which is signed by that subcontractor, which says, surety, if you're forced to make payments because of my failures, then I, as indemnitor, will pay. The indemnitors are usually the subcontractor entity itself, the corporation, LLC, whatever it may be, but as well as the individuals that stand behind it, and many times their wives, children, etc. This puts substantial personal assets at risk. At some point, the burden becomes more than the market will bear. All this serves to decrease competition and increase cost. Your firm, Tom, Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt, worked with the New York State Builders Association in providing a webinar on the wage theft legislation that we are examining. What were the reactions of the participants at the webinar to the newly signed legislation? Did they express concerns? Of course. Many contractors are considering withdrawing from the market. Those that remain are talking about scaling down their projects to come within the exemptions or to limit potential exposure. Many of the members are builders who have been in the business for generations and have worked with the same subcontractors for years. They don't understand why all of a sudden they are being saddled with these additional risks and burdens. They are frustrated and fearful of the future. Tom, do other states have this type of mandate? There are currently five other states with wage theft laws. They are California, Nevada, Maryland, New Jersey, and Virginia. Okay, 648 here on Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute. We thank you for joining us here on 710 WOR. There are still opportunities for questions. We are at one 800 321-0710, our number 1-800-321-0710. Tom, are there 
other issues that your firm is currently following that members of the building and construction sectors should be aware of? Absolutely. Like most other businesses, we continue to monitor the ever-changing workplace rules surrounding COVID and vaccine mandates. We're also, on behalf of the construction industry, looking at legislation that would dramatically increase taxes for new condominiums and cooperatives by changing the methodology used for tax assessment. And also legislation that would require residential construction projects to pay union scale wages to construction workers. Okay. We're talking, we're talking about some very complex issues for the building and construction sectors. No question about it. Very, very complex and very, very challenging issues and serious issues, of course. Tom, what do you and your firm see as the biggest challenges facing the building, realty, and construction industries in the weeks and months ahead? So safety has always been a primary concern of job sites. In fact, most contractors take extraordinary efforts to make sure that their workers are safe and are able to return home every evening. So increased disinfecting protocols and quarantines and social distancing and all the other measures such as PPE have almost become the norm now with regards to COVID. Vaccine mandates being pushed down onto the construction workforce by project owners are becoming more and more prevalent now, while many of the contractors do not themselves have vaccine mandates for their employees. It's a complex social and political issue, as well as intertwined with, unfortunately, the sometimes elusive facts that surround the spread of COVID. The confusion is only made worse as executive orders are challenged in court leaving employers to wonder how to comply. Labor Tom, when you were last, I'm sorry, go sorry. ahead, I'm sorry. Okay, I was going to say, labor shortages, yep, labor shortages exacerbated by vaccine mandates only make it more difficult. The construction industry, like many other industries in the United States, can't find a sufficient workforce to man its construction sites. Over 40% is the last statistic that I heard of the already limited workforce is not vaccinated. This, this leaves contractors scrambling to find people to man the sites when a vaccine mandate is either imposed by the owner or upon the owner by a governmental executive order. Making it even worse, supply chain issues. So even if I can find enough people to come to the site, I can't find the materials necessary to move forward with construction. This leads to job halts, and from job halts come job claims. Certainly, the supply chain disruptions are providing major problems for the building and construction industry as is the continuing shortage of skilled workers from the construction trades. Regarding the latter point, do you see any improvement in younger members of the workforce wanting to come into the building and construction industries? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel? 
I wouldn't say yes in the short term, unfortunately. In the long term, I think there is hope. I, I think if there's a lot of high school and college-level programs which are promoting the industry, I've seen efforts to even go down to the elementary and junior high levels to promote construction as a viable career choice. We all need electricians, plumbers, carpenters, you name it. They build the homes that we work in and the buildings that, the homes that we live in, sorry, and the buildings that we work in. It's important that the young people are attracted to these trades. They provide a good source of income and a good work-life balance for those who are employed in it. I often admire my clients for the choices that they've made and sometimes wonder if I should have made that same choice. <laughs> well, I, I can say this. The New York State Builders Association and the Building and Realty Institute and other building and construction industry membership organizations have done a great job in addressing the definite shortages of skilled workers from the construction trades. And that is a major, major initiative that the groups and representatives of the building and construction industries will be working on in 2022. That is a big, big problem. And there are all types of representatives of the building and construction sectors, again, working on addressing this problem. And I'm, and I'm glad you said this is not only a problem limited to the building and construction industries. This is a problem across the U.S. in many, many industries. We have about two minutes left, Tom. When you were on the show last March, you said that the protocols associated with the pandemic very likely will be here to stay for a long, long time and would become part of protocols for construction job sites. From what you're saying, it seems like you were right on target with that prediction back in March. So simply put, those protocols seem to be here to stay, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. So OSHA, uh, two weeks ago, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, uh, issued its mandates as far as vaccine protocols and co uh, COVID protocols. Um, unfortunately, those uh, have been challenged um, in various circuits in the federal system. We're still in waiting to see what the turnout is uh, from those court cases, as well as um, OSHA having temporarily suspended enforcement. However, the protocols surrounding uh, cleansing, disinfecting, and, and PPE, those currently remain in full force and effect. Okay, Tom, what are the best ways to reach your firm, Welby, Brady, and Greenblatt? Very simply, call 914-607-6440. That's my direct dial number. I'd be happy to answer any questions anyone has with regards to the topics we discussed today or anything else affecting the construction industry. That's 914-607-6440. Or they can look at our website. We have a number of articles that we publish with relevant issues to the construction industry. 
and that's at www.wbgllp.com. You can also find my email address if you choose to email me instead of calling. Tom Tripp Adianos, many thanks for an A-plus presentation on a subject so very important to the building and construction industries. New York State's recently signed wage theft prevention legislation. We thank you so, so very much for your presentation. We wish you a a happy weekend and a happy Thanksgiving week. Have a great one, Tom. Listeners, thank you for joining us this evening. You're welcome, Tom. Listeners, thank you for joining us this evening here on Constructive Conversations with the Building and Realty Institute. Please join us again next Sunday night here at 710 WOR, beginning at 630 for another segment of our show. Until then, have a great Sunday, have a great week ahead, and a happy Thanksgiving to all. And again, for information on the Building and Realty Institute, the address is buildersinstitute.org. That address is buildersinstitute.org. If you or your business is involved in the building, realty, or construction industries, we are most definitely the membership organization for you and for your business. We are one of the largest business membership organizations in New York State, buildersinstitute.org. Have a happy Thanksgiving week, everyone.